All right. Well, good morning, church. <clears throat> My voice decided not to work right now. <clears throat> I'm not sure why, but we're going to push through, and uh, it is so good to have you joining us online today, and uh, our volunteers here in the room, thank you for being a part of bringing this service to us, and uh, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, and I want to start out, first of all, I'm going to take a quick drink, because I'm not sure what just happened to my voice. <clears throat> you can tell this is live, live, right? <clears throat> so first, I want to share uh, a couple things about what our plans are for the next couple of weeks, and uh, I'm going to read a lot of it because I want to make sure that I get it right. So let me read some things to you uh, this morning. Um, so first, I want to share our thoughts and our plans about reopening. Um, this is and has continued to be a very tough season. There are a lot of strong feelings, experiences, realities, beliefs, and opinions. We will not all agree 100% on everything, ever. <laughs> But we must agree, and we will agree, on the most important things. And we must allow those things to be what unifies us. I am determined that we will not let this season of COVID-19 divide us as the body of Christ. And, we are, um, and where we have differing opinions, we must allow grace and love to fill in those gaps. We have spent countless hours as a leadership team monitoring, praying, and talking about this. We have many great medical professionals, business owners, skilled laborers, teachers, and many more among our leadership team. I've been on countless Zoom calls with area and regional pastors of large churches, small churches, and everything in between. Every church situation is unique and will require each church to prayerfully seek the leading of the Holy Spirit to the best of their ability to discern what God is calling them to do. There is no one-size-fits-all solution. What works for one church or what works for the mega church will not work for the small church and vice versa. We must have grace enough for that. With that being said, I believe God has given us a unique opportunity here at Evident to offer multiple ways for people to engage with us at a safety level and a comfort level that suits them. So our plan and desire, big picture, <clears throat> is to offer four different engagement options throughout the summer and we'll really reevaluate for the fall. So here are the four different options. Number one, online. We will continue to offer the same high-quality, intentional online community that we have been. We have seen this, that this is a legitimate and crucial way to minister and reach people. Number two, drive-in. As, as state and local regulations begin to lift, we will encourage those who feel comfortable to drive to the church on Sunday mornings to enjoy the same worship experience, but be able to see faces, smile, honk horns, and uh, connect at that level. Number three, um, our barn, right? What church has a barn, right? We have a unique opportunity 
in that we have a 40-foot by 60-foot barn on our property. It may not be our favorite thing. It looks hideous, but we're thankful for our barn. This will allow us to have more open air, spaced out seating, where we can project the worship service. This will give another level of safety and connection for many of you. And then finally, number four, our auditorium with limited seating. While we don't know the specifics, we anticipate being able to offer in-building engagement for those who are feeling well and are comfortable with this level of engagement. We will continue to monitor all the factors and make adjustments and changes as we go. So all of these different styles will be what we call family-style options for the summer, which means, uh, parents, you get to worship with your kids. And uh, we want to encourage you to work on family discipleship together. Um, we'll reevaluate in the fall, and, and uh, the first aspect of all four of these will roll out the next couple of weeks, but the first one begins next Sunday, June 7th, with Drive-In Church, and we hope that you'll come and be a part of that uh, in the parking lot here at the church. Um, you have respond. I'm sorry. We will have more information on our website, and this week we'll be sending out a survey to hear from you um, to help us as we take these next steps. You have responded so well during this season. I am proud of your faithfulness and your faith. We will continue to fight together for the things that matter the most. We will continue to serve each other and our community, and most of all, our great God. And where we don't get it right or we don't agree, we will choose to fill in those gaps with grace because we all know how much grace we have been shown. I want to just take a minute to pray for us as a church, and then we'll move into the message time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your amazing goodness to us. And I'm so thankful that we can come together right now this morning like this as a church family and as a body. God, what a unique way to worship you. What a unique way for me to preach the gospel. What a unique way for us to serve one another. But God, give us wisdom, give us vision, give us the ability to see what you're doing. God, thank you for reminding us that the church is not a building, and the church is not and has never been closed. God, thank you for the amazing things that you're doing, far beyond what we could even possibly imagine. God, give us your grace and help us to show that grace to one another. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, kids, I have an assignment for you. Uh, kids, today we're talking about the baptism of Jesus, and I want to encourage you, I don't know what else to do, maybe you can build it with Legos. If you build this with Legos, uh, I don't know what I will do for you, but that will be incredible. Maybe you can build the, uh, the baptism of Jesus with Legos, or you can draw it. I would love to see what you come up with. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a clue, Jesus gets baptized in water, John the Baptist, very hairy guy. Um, and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and, and lands and rests on Jesus. So see, show me what you can come up with. It's going to be awesome, I'm sure. All right, church, um, I'm going to be reading a fair amount of my notes today because I want to make sure I get this right. Um, I just, uh, what do we talk about on a day like today? All right, our world is going through a lot of crazy stuff. 
a lot of crazy things. And I had planned a series on a series called Jesus Overall. And as I prayed, ironically, I sensed that this is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, we should be talking about Jesus, right? Amen. So post amen in the comments uh, for that. Here's the problem, and here's what God struck me with in these last few hours leading up to today. Um, like many of you, my family, we sat down and we watched yesterday, we watched as NASA and SpaceX success, successfully launched two men into space, and probably right about now, they successfully docked with the International Space Station. What an incredible achievement. But here's the problem. I want you to picture both of these things side by side. On the same exact day that we launched two men successfully into outer space, um, we also at the same time can't figure out racial tensions and the sin in, in our human heart. That to me, that stands just so just juxtaposed side by side. We can launch men into space, and yet we can't figure out the sin in our own hearts. To me, that's crazy to see those side by side. And I believe what we're supposed to see and know today is that no matter what things may seem, and no matter what may come, Jesus is absolutely still Lord over everything. And he is the answer to the problems of our own hearts and our world. So today, my heart hurts like yours does, but my trust is in Jesus. We have to keep wrestling with this question, who is Jesus? Or if that question doesn't do it for you, the qu another question would be, how do we solve or fix the brokenness in ourselves and in our world? Um, C.S. Lewis famously argued, if you know, don't know who C.S. Lewis is, uh, he's the author of the famed Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, very popular philosopher and apologist. But he famously argued that Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. There's no other fourth option. Jesus can't be just a good man or a good teacher because he claimed to be God. So he's either a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he actually is Lord over everything. So the passage we're going to look at today is in John chapter 1. Go and open up your Bibles. Find a way to get to that. It is going to be on the screen for you as well. John chapter 1. We're going to take a look at John's account of the, the, the baptism of Jesus. And there's two different Johns going on, and there's a guy named Jesus. We all know who Jesus is, hopefully. The two different Johns. Uh, John is the writer of the Gospel of John, um, a disciple of Jesus. Then John the Baptist, different John. I know it's confusing. Lots of Johns. John the Baptist is a cousin to Jesus, and as Cam mentioned, he's the forerunner, he's the hype man for Jesus. I like that term. <laughs> Cam and the worship team are my hype man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay, so John the Baptist, uh, this is about John the Baptist and what God reveals to him about who Jesus is when Jesus gets baptized. So here it is in John chapter 1, starting in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, that's John the Baptist, coming, Jesus come, coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me 
because he was before me. It's confusing. We'll get to that. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony, John the Baptist. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So I want to share three things. I want to point out three observations about what this teaches us about Jesus. Some of these may seem basic, but they're huge. They're profound. Number one, that Jesus is Savior. Verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and his declaration was, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is God's plan for saving the world. It's always been God's plan to rescue and redeem a fallen world through his son, Jesus. Let me put it this way. If something inside of you right now tells you that the world is broken, guess what? You're right. <laughs> the world is broken the world is broken. Romans 8 reminds us that the creation groans with the pains of childbirth, is what it says. There's pain involved in birth, but then there's new birth. There's a, a birth of something to come, but there's pain as it leads toward that. Our world is broken, but Jesus is the Savior of the world. Um, the events of this past week... In our nation, uh, if you're unaware of what's taking place, um, there's race riots taking place in many cities, and the events are changing daily. Um, and it's, a lot of it has been sparked uh, by the unjust killing of a black man by a white police officer. And I'm just going to share with you something. Um, hopefully this isn't shocking to you, but I just want to be vulnerable and transparent. I hope there's no lightning that gets struck here in the, uh, the auditorium. Uh, and as I'm observing all of this, as I'm having my inner dialogue, I'm a thinker, I internalize, I like to think through things, I have inner dialogue going on all the time in my head. My internal, internal thoughts were this. This happens to white people my other internal dialogue was, I've never oppressed anyone. I'm trying to justify in my own head why I may not feel emotionally connected to what's going on. Does this make sense? And uh, thankfully, no lightning struck. But I immediately felt checked by the Holy Spirit and convicted um, there have been serious injustices perpetrated by Christians, and even though we may not have done them, we must acknowledge them, and we must repent and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. This is the heart of God. Amen, church? The Bible says that there is a time for rejoicing, 
and there is a time for mourning. There is a time for lamenting, and I think that this is one of those times. No matter where you fall politically or on these issues, we have to recognize that God's heart is for justice, and God's heart is for, for unity. I think for me, all of this simply points to the fact that we need a Savior, and we need Jesus. Jesus is God's chosen, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb, sent and given for you and for me. Romans 13, 8 says that Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, that it has always been God's plan to rescue and save the human heart and our world through his Son, Jesus. Amen? Number two, Jesus is pre-existent. And for me, uh, I love this kind of message. Uh, obviously, I'm the one that wrote it. But anyway, I love this kind of thinking. But it's so important for us to understand these things. Jesus is pre-existent. It means that Jesus existed before. Jesus isn't created. He's not part of, I'm sorry, he's part of the Trinitarian Godhead. He's eternal. Here's what it says. Here's what John said in verse 30. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me. Why? Because he was, what? Before me. Because he was before me. It gets confusing. It gets all twisted. What's he saying? He's saying he's greater than everything because he existed before everything. You guys tracking with that? Have you ever been having conversations with somebody and they, they name drop? They're like, oh yeah, the other day I was talking to so-and-so and they just like name drop it. It's kind of obvious when it's like a name drop going on. Um, well, Jesus is having a conversation with religious leaders in John chapter 8. And Jesus is telling them that God is his father, basically, and that he knows Abraham and he knows Moses. And they're like, hang on a minute. How can you know these people when you're, you're so young? How would you even know who these people are? And they're arguing that, you know, Abraham is great and Moses is great. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, I know those guys. <laughs> He's like, I know Abraham. I know Moses. Uh, I know God. God is my father. And they call him out on it in John chapter 8. I think, okay, first of all, time out. If anybody can name, can name drop, who do you think can name drop? Jesus can name drop. All right, there you go. So John chapter 8, verses uh, 57 and 58, they said, you're not even 50 years old, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered. Here's what he said. Before Abraham was born, what did he say? I am. Now, we're not going to talk about his grammar, okay? Uh, this is a reference back to the Old Testament when God declares his name to Moses, and God simply says, I am. This is Jesus declaring that he is God. He is the great I am. And what Jesus is saying is that before all these people ever existed, I existed long before they did. Let me ask you a question. Who is greater, the clay pot or the potter who made the clay pot? The potter is. Who is greater, creation or the creator, the one who made creation? The creator is greater than the creation. John chapter 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. This is all a reference to Jesus. He was with God in the beginning, and through Jesus, all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's what I want to say in application for this part. That Jesus is everything you need right now. Because he was long before every, anything ever existed. What John is saying is the one who comes after me, Jesus, is greater than me because he existed before me. So who is greater, uh, who is even greater, is the creator who turns himself into savior, and his name is Jesus. Here's a last observation from these verses. I just want to tell you more about Jesus. Number three, that Jesus is God in human form. The term is the incarnation, which means God in the flesh. It's a Latin word, um, incarnation. I am forever ruined by movies, and all I can think of is incarnation. Go ahead and post in the comments if you know what that is a reference to. John chapter 1, verses 31 to 34, again, this is what John said in the passage we're studying. He said, I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed. This is how Jesus is being revealed as the Son of God. Then John gave this testimony. I saw, John saying, I saw the Holy Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and rest on Jesus. Not just coming down and then going back, but the Holy Spirit came on Jesus and stayed. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me with baptized with water said, The man who you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then John testified, I have seen and testify that this is, the, is God's chosen one. This act, this scene of Jesus' baptism is proof to John confirming his declaration of Jesus. This is God's way of proving to the people in the first century, this is my son and this is my plan. Jesus is Lord. Lord indicates power and authority and influence. Lord indicates ownership, and Lord indicates supremacy. I want to read to you a few more verses from Colossians, and we'll talk about some application. So Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 20. The Son, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. For in Jesus... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him everything it said, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus controls everything. There isn't a molecule on the planet out, that is outside the command of God. Does this make sense? And the next couple of weeks in this series, we're going to take a look at how Jesus 
commands creation. But Jesus, just think about that. Jesus controls every single molecule. I know we'd begin to question, oh, then why is there bad things? And why do all these crazy things happen? Here's the thing, that Jesus also has the intellect to go along with that kind of control. Or he also has the brain capacity to know exactly what to do and how. He's marvelously um, in control of all things, and he can be trusted. He is the potter, and we are the clay. I know it doesn't take away the pain, but it simply is the truth. We are the clay, and God is the potter of everything. Um, as was shared in the announcements today, uh, I just want to share with you a couple things that God's doing. You guys heard about the amazing stories about what God's doing with, um, with our food giveaways, and uh, we're just so thankful to be able to serve like that. And, and I want to encourage you, actually, if you're wondering what you can do during this season uh, to help people and to make a difference, I want to encourage you to do something and come and be a part of giving food away. Uh, today, from 1 to 3, you can come here to the building and you can help give food away. Make a difference, right? Make a difference and help bring God's kingdom here to earth. But it's been so cool to see God provide. We have some pictures for you guys to see. <clears throat> we had someone drive by a few weeks ago, and uh, they saw what we were doing, and they simply called us up and said, we want to begin to donate um, all the fresh vegetables that you might need, fresh fruits and vegetables that you might need. So yesterday they pull up with this semi-truck, they drop off loads and loads of food, so all the food we're giving away today, God has provided through other sources. You'll see also uh, two huge tables of food from our local Panera Bread. Um, God, again, is providing and doing amazing things. I heard one cool story this morning as we were talking as a team, <clears throat> excuse me, that somebody who doesn't go to our church um, has been coming to get food from our food giveaway. And as they've been doing that, they wanted to know how they could give back, so they started to to volunteer, actually, to help give food away. Uh, the crazy thing is, is when they were asked um, if they knew that this was a church, they had no idea that this was actually even a church. They thought it was just a pokey stop uh, for Pokemon. But I just love the fact that God is at work, that God is stirring in people's hearts, that God is providing for us, and God is doing amazing things. Jesus is God in the flesh, walking among us, modeling for us how to live so what do we do? I want to just give a couple of application points. So what do we do with all of this? And I think for me, as I think about this, the two main points of application are this. Number one, uh, that we're called to cast our cares on Jesus because he cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxiety on him. Cast all of your anxiety on God because God cares for you. I think one of the most profound statements of trust is to surrender our worry. That's why peace is almost always one of the sure signs of the presence of God. Because peace comes when worry goes. I want you guys to listen to this. Peace and worry cannot coexist. You can't have peace and also be full of worry. And if we truly believe in Jesus' lordship, then we will submit and surrender every area of our lives to him. That includes our sexuality. It includes our identity. It includes our relationships and our finances. It includes our parenting and our pride 
and our anxiety and our failure and our fear? Are these things surrendered to God? Have you cast all of these things into God's hands for him to care about instead of for you to worry about? Uh, one of the books I read recently, um, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Is, that, is this on the camera? Can we get, if I put it in front of my face, probably. I forget about to put it. I cannot recommend this book highly enough called Relationship Goals by Michael Todd. And in this book, um, I'm going to give a couple quotes. He said, if you surrender yourself to God, you can trust him with your heart, your present, and your whole relational future. You can put anything you want to in, in there. If you surrender yourself to God, you can trust him with everything, with everything. Um, I don't know if uh, any of you uh, watch any of the Dave Ramsey, um, he does some uh, podcasts and live stuff. Anybody watch the Dave Ramsey stuff? Some of you know who Dave Ramsey is, uh, hopefully. But he all, his guest asks him, um, how are you doing? And he has the same response every single time. If you know it, post it in the comments. You guys know what his response is? Better than I deserve. And I used to get really annoyed when I would hear that. Um, but as I thought about it, um, I actually really, really like it. It's actually a statement of fact. Right? And I'm not really talking about financial blessing when he says, uh, better than I deserve. I'm thinking about it from a spiritual standpoint. It's a spiritual truth. How are you and I doing better than we deserve? Better than we deserve. Uh, and as we think about this idea of worry and casting our cares on God, worship is so powerful. And here's why. Worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. You guys understand? You guys tracking with that? Worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. When you choose to worship Jesus as God, worry goes away. When you recognize Jesus and his lordship over everything, there's no need to worry. I love this, this thought. Worship tells worry exactly where it can go. Where do you think that is? <laughs> Post that in the comments. <laughs> Worship tells worry exactly where it can go. I know there's kids watching uh, H-E double hockey sticks. All right. So when it comes to casting my cares upon God, I literally picture myself taking a weight off of my shoulders and placing it in God's hands or at the foot of the cross. So what weight are you carrying today? That is not yours to carry. Like my heart is heavy and burdened for our world. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the work that God is doing. And I pray that he continues to do that. But I also don't have to live life with the weight of the world on my shoulders. I can cast that onto God because he is in control. All right, last thing of application is this. Just like Jesus submitted him, his life to the Father and was baptized, we should submit our lives to God in every way. Jesus' baptism showed that he was completely surrendered to God. His was a life committed to and humbled before God. I want you to think about this for a second. Jesus is God, and yet he submits himself to the will of God the Father completely. My question is, who do we think that we are? Let that sink in for a second. Jesus is God, like he's God, but he submits himself 
to the will of God the Father. He says, God the Father, I will do whatever you tell me to do. And yet here we are going, you know what? I'm not sure I want to do that. Who do we think that we are? We're called to submit every area of our life to God completely. Jesus said, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be obedient to God, even to the point of death. And in his act of baptism, Jesus is demonstrating his humility before God. If you think about it, baptism is is a humbling thing. Willingly allowing yourself to be submerged underwater, submitting ourselves to God's will and God's way, declaring publicly, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm not in control of my own life. God is in control. I'm submitting everything in my life to God. Um, If you don't, don't know my story, I grew up in the church and I became a Christian at a very young age. And I waited until I got baptized till I was till later in life. I was about 19 years old. And, I, and here's my thought process. Um, I didn't feel like I was ready. Uh, I didn't feel spiritually prepared. Um, but then I learned a couple of things of what the Bible teaches. Here's four things that the Bible teaches regarding baptism. Uh, number one, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was baptized. If that was the only reason to be baptized, wouldn't that be a good enough one? Like, Jesus did it, so I should probably do it if I want to follow Jesus. Number two, the disciples did it. The disciples got baptized. They baptized people. Number three, uh, it publicly shows my faith in Jesus. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment that I've made. And number four, uh, Jesus actually commanded baptism. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, Go into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And once I realized that Jesus himself was baptized— and that he also commanded us to be baptized, I realized I didn't have to wait until I felt ready. I needed to obey Jesus. You guys tracking with that? Like, I want to be like Jesus, so I should probably do what Jesus did. And I want to be obedient to Jesus. He's Lord in my life. We can't say that Jesus is Lord in our life if we're not following him as Lord of our life. Uh, If you have not been baptized, I want to challenge you to take that step out of obedience to God and a desire to be like Jesus. You can go to our website right now, evidentchurch.com forward slash next, and you can sign up for baptism. Lord willing, the end of July, we're going to be having our outdoor baptism service. And if that doesn't work, we'll find another way. If that date doesn't work for you, let us know. We will figure out another way for you to be obedient to the call of God on your life. Maybe there's a way we can do virtual baptism. I have no idea. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Baptism is one way, but there are a thousand other ways. If there's any area of your life that is not surrendered to God, it will be a misplaced part of your identity. Again, uh, for the book Relationship Goals, Michael Todd said, You know that you're maturing when you stop evaluating everything by asking, Is that a sin? Is that a sin? Is that a sin? This is challenging. No, you're asking, is this making me more like Christ? So if there is anything right now that you have not surrendered to the lordship of Jesus in your life, I implore you to surrender that today. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's some hardness in your own heart like was in mine, like I'm sure God is still working to root out in my heart regarding racial issues or regarding relationships or regarding sexuality 
or regarding worry or anxiety, I implore you as a, as a preacher of the gospel that you would surrender everything in your life to the lordship of Jesus. And as Lewis said, either Jesus is a lunatic, he's a liar, or he truly is Lord over all. I would argue that he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord of anything. He's either Lord of all or not of all. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help us as your people, as people who claim the name of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, that our lives would be completely surrendered to you and to your lordship. God, I pray that you would help us as we fearlessly and boldly declare that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And God, my heart hurts for what is taking place in our country and in our world right now. God, it, is, it, it feels like it is falling apart. But we are so confident, we are so thankful, we are so grateful that the world is still solidly in your hands. And Jesus, we thank you that you are above every name, that you are the answer. God, we can't solve the problem of sin in our own heart, but you can. God, help us to surrender everything to you, to give you everything in our lives. If there is anything that we're holding on to, God, help us to surrender, help us to, to die to ourselves and to fully give ourselves to you. And I just want to end uh, this service today or this time today by reading from Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. And this is so important for us. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's just take a minute and worship him as Lord over all this morning. Mm -hmm.